Season two of Cook Tracks is made possible with the help of Vertex Pharmaceuticals. For decades, Vertex Pharmaceuticals has been inspired by and working hard for the cystic fibrosis community, also known as the CF community. CookTracks has partnered with Vertex and a CF nutritionist to create meals that meet the dietary needs of people living with CF. These recipes can also be enjoyed by the whole family. For episode zero, I spoke with Ginger, a mom from Tennessee. When I heard her story as a new dad myself, I wanted to learn a little bit more about cystic fibrosis. For the last eight years, her son King has been on an incredible and challenging journey living with CF. Food is a key component for his health and for the whole family. My conversation with Ginger was informative and inspiring. To learn more about vertex and cystic fibrosis, visit www.vrtx.com. And to find additional recipes that the whole family can enjoy, visit the CF Kitchen at www.everyday-cf.com. Vertex, we thank you for going the distance for CF. Go, 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 Andrew. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Rach, Rachel Ray, and you're listening to Cook Tracks. It's a brand new, super cool way to cook. Each episode will be right alongside you. Well, kind of, will be in your ear, taking you step-by-step through a dish or a meal in real time. We'll be adding a little pinch of tips, tricks, and fun stories to keep you guys entertained and up your cooking game. Needless to say, we've got your back in the kitchen. I mean it, guys. You literally don't have to worry about a thing. I'm going to keep you on track with my buddy, Cappy. Think of him as our kind of play-by-play announcer for the cook-along. And since not all stoves are created equal, boy, do I know that. If you guys get a little caught up, just hit pause. You don't have to read a recipe, and it isn't rocket science. This is not something you're supposed to take seriously. We want you guys to have fun. Follow along, and at the end of each episode, we'll have made a dish or a meal from start to finish together. Gather up your ingredients, pour yourself a drink or a cup of tea, and turn your volume up to 11. This is Cook Tracks. He's back on the tracks, Rocco Despirito. If you missed his step-by-step instructions on how to make A-plus risotto on the first round of Cook Tracks, this time he's going to walk you through his mama's meatballs, and they are famous for a reason. Cappy claims it's the last meatball recipe you'll ever need. I love both these gentlemen, but mm, I make a pretty good meatball, too. I know how they roll, but you guys can be the judge. Let's talk prep work. You can keep on listening to this episode, but if you go to your episode notes on your device or cooktracks.com, you'll find the ingredients and equipment list that you need to cook along with us. Cappy's in the kitchen with Chef Rocco Despirito. Take it away, Cap. All right, what are we making today? Andrew, we were making my mom's meatballs, but we're making a keto version uh, from scratch. We're going to replace all the uh, empty calorie carbs with either high protein or high fat items. Awesome. And I'm a a testament to your mama's meatballs. I've made them plenty of times and they're my go-to meatball, hands down. I say that to everybody. Everyone who's got a mama makes meatballs? Everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Or just me. Uh, I appreciate that. These are going to be the, this is version 4.0. So I've done 
two or three other healthy versions. So this will be, it'll be interesting to see if these live up to what you remember the meatballs. All right, let's like. do it. Sure. Okay, people, let me tell you what you need. People are, people are in the kitchen. You should have your ingredients in front of you. Rocco's going to take us through the ingredients. So let's do a quick roll call of what you should Fantastic. have in front of you before we start cooking. Ingredients for the marinara sauce are extra virgin olive oil, garlic, fine chopped yellow onion, tomato paste, red pepper flakes, or crushed red pepper, chili flakes, pepperoncino, all, all are the same thing. People get confused. Uh, sea salt, fresh ground black pepper, tomato puree, one whole can, 16 ounces, a half a can of crushed tomatoes. Now, my mom's favorites were red pack, just FYI. A quarter cup of chicken stock or broth, cup and a half of water. Got it. Okay, so those are the ingredients for the marinara sauce. So. The ingredients for the meatballs. Ingredients for the meatball. The meatball mix is as follows. Uh, olive oil or avocado oil, a little bit more chicken stock, yellow onion, garlic, and then your meat mix is up to you. My mom's meat mix was classically uh, a third of beef, a third of pork, a third of veal. You can replace the veal with turkey if you want. You can just do beef, just do pork or create any mix you want. And that's like when you see in the supermarket, like meat meatloaf or meatball blend, essentially that's that. That's exactly what it is, yeah. My mom used to buy that, and, and that's, that's what she made uh, meatballs with. She used to buy the meatloaf blend. Uh, and then uh, instead of breadcrumbs, we're gonna use Parmesan crisps. They're basically Parmesan crackers made from uh, only Parmigiano Reggiano. So there's uh, very few empty calorie carbs, lots of protein actually, and a little bit of fat. We're also gonna need two eggs. More pepperoncino, crushed red pepper, chili flakes, however you want to refer to it. Flat leaf parsley, more sea salt. Excellent. And that's everything. All right, so you should have that all in front of you. If you don't need to run to the fridge, hit pause right now. If you need to, we're going to get going. How are we going to do this, Rocco? We're going to start the sauce first? So you definitely need to start, uh, you definitely need to start the sauce first because you, you want to cook your meatballs in the sauce and the sauce takes a little bit longer than the meatballs, so. And it, not that we're encouraging people to buy, I mean, there's good quality jarred sauces. If that's what it takes, you need to save a minute. But at the end of the day, marinara is so easy to make from scratch at home. It's so pretty you, easy to make from scratch, but if you, if you, you know, like a store-bought brand, you can certainly use it yeah. in this case. I think making the meatball mix yourself is important, but yeah. there's plenty of good marinara out there now. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna get cooking and we're gonna flip on the uh, overhead fan here on the stove so it may get a little loud, but you- We're gonna turn on the hood so we don't catch on fire all of a sudden. All right, so I like to cook in a um, cast iron pan that's covered in ceramic. Uh, Le Creuset is a good brand, there are other brands. They're nice and heavy, they conduct heat well, and so that's what I'm gonna use. We're gonna start with the marinara. And that is olive oil in a hot pan. Now if the pan's hot, the olive oil is gonna get hot very fast and start to smoke. So you need to be ready with your other ingredients, which is um, a clove of garlic, crushed. Now this garlic's gonna burn fast if your pan is really hot and got preheated. So you have to be ready to stir and add other ingredients. So. As you can see, Andrew, this garlic's already starting to brown. I'm gonna add the onion too. And you can hear that sizzle and see that the onion is, uh, the garlic is browning fast. You wanna cook it till the onions are translucent. And I don't mind if the garlic browns a little bit. Uh, the more brown it is, the more flavor it adds to the sauce. So 
Don't worry about it browning. Don't burn it. If you burn it, you gotta throw it out and start over. That's really important. You have to throw it out and start over. There's, you cannot rescue burnt garlic flavor. Cool, all right. Uh, next thing we're gonna add is tomato paste, just a little bit. And we're gonna let the tomato paste cook a little as well. Just helps uh, sweeten the tomato paste and dry out any moisture, excess moisture that's in there. And then we're gonna add, this is, um, it's a fast sauce, right? Marinara is supposed to be fast. We're gonna add chopped tomatoes. Now this is, with the addition of the chopped tomatoes, I'm caught up to the heat of the pan. And now we're gonna add tomato puree. And it's already simmering, which is a great sign. So we're not gonna have to wait for this to simmer because we started out with a very hot pan. Got it. Uh, it also gets, I need chicken stock. Where, where did that chicken stock go? I measured out chicken stock, where is it? Oh, quarter cup, okay. And this is the water. Okay, so it gets a quarter cup of chicken stock. You see how it's still simmering? That's great, that's what you want. And it gets a cup and a half of water. And hopefully we won't lose the simmer it's gonna to continue to boil and uh, get more and more tasty as it cooks. The longer you cook, if you're starting out with cooked tomatoes, the longer you cook those tomatoes, generally the better it tastes. Yeah, flavors intensify. We're gonna also add some crushed red pepper flakes. And you'll notice in the recipe, it's, it's, it's semi a personal preference thing, correct me if I'm wrong, in terms of like the consistency, right? So yours, looks a little thin right now, but that as it cooks out, it'll thicken up. If it gets too thick, as, as the recipe states, you could add a little water. Yeah, so if it starts out thin, you're doing okay. If it starts out too thick, there'll be no, um, no space for the meatballs to float around in as they cook. The meatballs will just sort of sit and not be able to uh, move as the sauce simmers. That sauce is eventually gonna get thick because you're gonna be cooking it more and more and more. Every time you reheat the meatballs, every time you serve them again, you're gonna cook the sauce a little bit more. Good time to taste the sauce. Need salt. I'm gonna put some sea salt. I'm using big flaked sea salt. You can use fine sea salt, doesn't matter. The flaky stuff looks really nice and does have a more closer to nature flavor. The finer the salt is, generally the more processed it's, it's been. The big flaky stuff is literally raked from dehydrated seawater. So that's what it looks like. It's called fleur de sel. Yeah, and you can find that at most regular It's everywhere now, it's everywhere now, yeah. yeah. When I first started cooking, I, there were like three French chefs who had a, had a bag in their pocket. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's, now it's literally everywhere. I actually think I have a little tin of it in my carry-on bag when I travel. You do? Okay. Nerd. <laughs> okay, so that's all did the trick. Uh, I'm not gonna add anything now. I'm gonna wait for it to cook a little more. And if it needs, uh, more seasoning, I'll season it later. Except for the black pepper. It Excellent. does need a little. So that came together like super quick. Fresh black pepper. You have pepper. it at a nice, like, nice little bubble there and it's doing its thing. Yeah, see how it's already basically cooked? Yeah. Um, if we didn't start with this pan on high heat and let it preheat, we'd be waiting here for this to simmer. It could be 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. But don't forget about this pan, right? Give it a stir every now and then. Make sure you're scraping the bottom just yeah, in case. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. If you, you can see that I'm using a, um, a uh, flat-sided wooden spoon, a wooden spoon with a flat bottom that also has holes in it, so this will allow you to, uh, it's a reducing spoon. It'll allow the sauce to move through the spoon as it scrapes the bottom 
and reduced. Yeah. For all for the 18 wooden spoons I have in my drawer at home, it's probably the one I don't that I'll probably wind up ordering on Amazon when I leave. Now, I'm sure you have one. You probably have one. If not in that drawer, then check the drunk drawer. Yeah, you're right. Or check the <laughs> attic. Or, you know. Cool. All right, let's make the meatball mix now. So this, this part is quite easy. There's only one trick to it, and that is that I blend the garlic, onions, parsley, and chicken stock in a blender. This is key. This is very much key, yeah. So you can use a blender or a food processor and you're kind I of making I think a blender this. is best, but certainly a food processor work. Yeah. If you're doing very large quantities, a food processor will work. So but add for your onions, small quantities, add, yeah, your, add your onions. Yep, parsley, chicken broth or chicken stock, garlic to the blender. And it may not seem obvious, but the benefit is that these very strong flavors will be dispersed more evenly because they're now a liquid slurry instead of particles that you've created by chopping them, right? It should make sense logic, uh, you know, on the, on the merits. And if it doesn't, the first time you do it, you'll, you'll see the benefit. If there's not enough ingredients for it to uh, spin and actually the blade of the blender to catch all the ingredients, you can add a little water or chicken stock. My mom was a big fan of chicken stock, putting it in, uh, in the meatball mix, in the meatball sauce, in the marinara. Chicken stock will add a little more flavor if you don't have it, or, or you, you should have a little bit because you used it, some for the marinara and some for the meatball, but if you don't, yeah, you know, Anywhere you would add water, you can add chicken stock, and of course it's, there's gonna be more flavor. All right, so you want, a pretty fine puree. It's gonna take a few minutes on high. For about 30, I should say 30 seconds on high. And this goes right into the bowl with your meat mix. Meat should be room temperature, just makes it a little bit easier to mix. If you want a fine grain meatball, use finely ground meat. If you like a chunkier meatball, use a medium or large ground uh, beef or pork. And we, we have medium ground here. So. Got it. Now we're gonna add the slurry to the mix. It does look like green juice, but. Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be a really healthy green juice, right? Uh, now normally my mom, in my mom's original recipe, she would add breadcrumbs, but we're gonna Replace those with Parmesan crisps. I love this idea. Yeah, so this will give it some of the uh, the texture and the function of the breadcrumbs without adding lots of empty calorie carbs. Because, you know, the breadcrumbs were usually just made from white bread. All right, we also get a couple of eggs. So what's the, like in a, in a, in a normal meatball recipe, what's the purpose of breadcrumbs. So I, a lot of people think breadcrumbs bind the meatballs. They actually tenderize the meatballs. The bread is, so protein binds with to itself. Protein is very sticky. Protein strands will stick to other protein strands. So you can make a meatball of all meat, but it'll be very tough. So if you add some breadcrumbs to it, the theory is the breadcrumbs uh, won't stick to the proteins. There'll be little moments of tenderness. I think it's just a waste of calories and really 
doesn't serve a lot of purpose for me. Two whole eggs. Crack your eggs in your yep. in your meat meat now, bubble. You can skip the eggs if you're not into the eggs. You really really doesn't. Uh, it's not required for the meat to stick together. Again, the meat will stick together all on its own. It's just going to add a little more protein and a little more fat. So we have this large mixing bowl. We had the free ground meats in there. We added the liquid, what turned into a liquid mixture from the blender. And we added the two eggs, some salt, the Parmesan crisps. And this seems, you know, I, I don't know if this is your first time making meatballs. This won't, you know, this is all new to you. But if it's not, um, it seems like a little loose of a mixture, but that's yes. right. The mixture should be really loose. If the mixture is very tight at this point, it's only going to get tougher and tougher as it cooks. So um, when you cook meat, you dehydrate it. You force water out of each protein molecule. A molecule of, of beef has protein, fat, and water in it. And when you cook it, you're essentially dehydrating it. I'm keeping this mix very loose to give me the best chance of ending up with a tender, juicy meatball. So I'm hoping we create a light emulsion of meat and chicken stock and onion and garlic and parsley and all those flavors. And I see a lot of meatball recipes say don't overmix. They do now. They never used to before, but yeah, oh. people are hip to that now. Yeah, yeah. the overmixing thing is now a, now a commonly known uh, trait. So I'm not going to recommend you do this, but my mom always tasted the meat mix raw. And I always begged her for some because <laughs> raw raw ground beef sounded like a good idea when I was Sometimes, a kid. What about how about? I feel like some people will pull like a little piece off, like a tiny little portion, and just saute it and, and cook it. Yeah, to, no, it's a great, great it's a idea. Great way too. to test. If you're making, I made a large batch. I actually made these uh, a few weeks ago for a little dinner party I had, and I and I ripped off a little piece like the size of a walnut or ping pong ball, and I just sauteed it up in a pan, yep. let it cool for a minute, and I tasted it to make sure all the seasonings were right. It was Rocco's recipe. So, of course, they were perfect. But it's good to Thanks. have that you know, reassurance if you do want to add a little more of an ingredient. Yes, yeah, so anytime you're making any kind of forced meat, a meatball is a forced meat, whether it's a sausage, a meatloaf, a meatball, uh, a frank, you want to taste test the mixture before you put it into its final shape, final mold, terrine, casing. That's a huge kitchen tip, everybody listening, or a huge chef tip. If you're making dinner for two, four, ten people, um, a big batch of something, take a little bit and taste it because you could always, you know, try and fix it right at that point rather than I'm going to throw it right on a flat top actually. So, so we, you, you didn't see this, but you may have heard the shaking. We added a little, a little, a little shake of um, crushed red pepper flakes I did. to this. Yep. And I took a little splat tablespoon size of meat and threw it right on the flat top. Nice. We're going to cook that, see how that tastes. So the red pepper flakes, uh, I, I'm a spice fan. I love it. But again, personal preference, if you love spice, add a little more. For sure, if yeah. If you don't want it. I'm adding that. enough for it to be interesting. If you want it spicy, you can add more or you can move to cayenne. Got I'm it. not looking for spicy here, but I am, I am looking for the interesting flavor that red pepper flakes offer before it gets to spicy. Got it. On the continuum of not spicy to really blow your mind spicy. Yeah. All right, the sauce is actually looking Marnar really good. is still simmering out, yep. and, and it should have thickened up a little bit because those bubbles are It's almost a perfect escaping. Perfect uh, texture now. The, the viscosity is perfect. When we add the meatballs, it's probably going to thin out a little bit because there's going to be some liquid loss. Some spoons. Mm. 
You can actually see the liquid coming out of the meatball mix on the flat top. Uh, let's do a frying pan. Let's do a frying pan with some oil. Oh yeah. All right, so I'm grabbing a, a large flat bottom frying pan. So grab your large frying pan. Rocco, do you mind if it's uh, non-stick or stainless? This is a good time for non-stick. Yeah. yeah, I don't mind at all. I think non-stick is um, useful in egg cooking. Whenever you're making meatballs, it's yeah. pretty useful. Um, so large frying pan, about 12 inches if you have it. If you don't and you only have a 10 inch, don't crowd the pan. Yeah, that's fine too. We could have also could have also put oil in the uh, stock pot and cooked them in there as well. This will just hold all of them at one time. All right, so I'm gonna keep that sauce simmering while this pan gets hot. And I think we almost have a meatball tester ready. Is there a, is there a um, viscosity that we can share that you're looking for with the red sauce, like to compare it to something? I think, uh, like you don't want it to compare it to something you, you want it that almost, people know yeah. really well. Um, flavored yogurt, maybe, maybe like a. One of those Yoplait yogurt that's flavored yogurts. <laughs> that's not that's what sort of, I was expecting, but it's yeah, right. It the works. kind of yogurt that runs out of yeah. the container. Yeah, yeah, not the not the thick stuff. You, that you will, don't want a thick blob of a sauce, and you don't no. want water. So right. and right. somewhere in between. Yeah. So the sauce is sticking to the spoon. It's a thin layer of sauce that's sticking to the spoon. If their sauce were really thick, you know, a lot of it would be adhering to the spoon. You know, in cooking, we, we call it nappe, right? It's when you put a, a steel spoon in a pan and you can wipe it with your finger and the rest of the sauce still sticks. Also, a lot of personal preference. Let's see how this tastes. Oh, pretty good. I think it um, needs, nah, doesn't need salt. That's I like it the way it is. Good. Good. So All we right. just, Rocco did a tester. We pulled about a tablespoon or so, fried it up on his flat top, but you could do it in a little pan, and it's a good way so, so you know your end product. It's a little spicy, right? Yeah, I like that. All right, so now I'm adding oil to the large saute pan. Um, and what, and we're not trying to deep fry. Ideally. This is grapeseed oil. I think grapeseed oil is a perfect oil for this. It's neutral in flavor. It has a very high smoking point. I also think a lot of people use olive oil and other vegetable oils like corn oil, soybean oil, which don't have a lot of health properties. But grapeseed oil has health properties, high smoking point, and uh, a neutral flavor. Olive oil can be very impactful on the flavor in a good way, sometimes in a bad way though. It can yeah. get very bitter when you cook with it. Got it. So if we have like vegetable oil, I, I, grapeseed oil seems ideal if you could find it, but- Grapeseed oil is ideal, yeah. It's not uh, another oil. neutral oil that I would say next best, uh, soybean oil, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm so using a scoop. It's a, a, it's, 
kind of like the sauce is simmering. Light. It's basically yeah. done. You could throw that on pasta the way it is right now. When we add the meats to it, it's going to turn into a meat sauce. Yeah. Like a ragu. So the sauce is lightly simmering. It's at a beautiful texture. Your, your large frying pan, we poured oil in. It's about quarter to half inch up. So you're almost doing like a, like a shallow fry or pan fry. Um, and then Rocco's going to use another little chef tip here. I have a scoop. So ice cream scoop to get uniform shape of all the meatballs. I'm still going to use my hand. Just because that's what I'm used to. But the scoop is a great way to pour, at least make sure the portions are correct. So are you going to go... Wait for the oil to be hot, not smoking hot. But You'll hot see it start so to that shimmer. It, yeah, you want to see some waves on the surface of the oil but not smoke. When when oil heats up to the two, 300 range, it starts to look wavy on the top. When it gets to the flame point or flash point, 400 and 450, then you start to see smoke. And then eventually it'll be a flame. A grape seed, I think flame point is 475. Okay. So should, at this point ever- So this feels and looks like it's hot enough. I'm gonna throw a meatball in there to see. If it isn't, I'll just wait. It's usually hottest in the center. That's the perfect amount of sizzle and bubbles that uh, you, you wanna see when you're frying these meatballs. So, so Rocco is a pro and he's quick and he's an incredible chef. So he's going straight from the ice cream scoop into the pan of oil. Oh yes, I do. If you're glad if, you mentioned that. If, if, you're, if you are not, if you don't have the finesse that Chef Rocco has, um, a good point here, correct me if I'm wrong. Have no, a baking if you don't sheet. need finesse, just do it. Just, just do gonna, it. What's the worst that can happen? You have to take out some meatballs right, while you're cooking. making them? We're not, we're not yeah. uh, you it's know. It's no big deal. This isn't rocket science here. Yeah. Um, these these are fully cooked through in the end at, anyway, right? So it's not like you're gonna overcook one and undercook another. Yeah, but if you're like, my, my wife, it may take a little bit longer than we think to uh, get these going in the pan. So have a baking sheet nearby. You could roll them all, put them on the baking sheet. So they're rolled out and, and, and then add them to the oil. That's true. And then you could also just leave them on the baking sheet, cook them at a very high temperature in, in an oven, and those, that'll produce a great meatball as well. I do like the contact sizzle and the Maillard reaction that you get when you're f actually pan frying meat in oil. So I have a question, Rocco. Yes. If someone like gets to this, I've never talked about this uh, with you, but if someone, is there a point in this recipe that you could um, like pause and come back to it like the next day? Can you roll these meatballs and maybe put them in the fridge for a day or freeze them and come back to them or something like that? Absolutely, so you can either pause, uh, once the meatballs are rolled, you can freeze them, refrigerate them, uh, or once the sauce is made and then make the meatballs another day. The best w time to pause is um, after you've made them all, yeah. just make a double or triple batch. They last forever in the fridge. I mean, yeah. And they seem to just taste better and better every time you reheat them. I also like to use the same pot. So I will put the pot uh, in the fridge after, after I serve a meal, if there's leftover, I'll let it cool on the counter. Then I'll put that pot right in the fridge and just reheat it in that pot the next day at a low temp. And if you keep doing that, you end up with an amazing bolognese sauce. Ooh. The third or fourth time. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a little more careful than I am, your last meatball won't be so small. So, so if, you do, see, if you do freeze these meat, if you do roll them and freeze them raw, you probably want to make sure them, they come back them to raw. Roll them, freeze them, sauteed. Make a batch, take half out, freeze, yeah. 
you know, six meatballs in a little takeout container this with is, sauce. This is actually a perfect recipe to do in really any stage you want. Like there's, For sure. There's good and always make points. more of these. Always, right? There's 100%. always going to be a time I made where, a double batch last yeah. time. So the one I started with, perfectly brown on the first side. And I'm just going to try to remember the pattern I, I did, which was basically yeah. counter uh, clockwise. So all of his meatballs are added to this one pan. Now, there, now as you can see, if you look on your um, podcast player right now, all the meatballs are in the pan, but they're not super crowded. If you don't have this size pan, you're using a smaller one, you could do them in batches. You never want to crowd the pan. If you're really into meatballs, it might be worth getting a large uh, 12 to 14 inch saute pan. Uh, I mean, obviously it's, it'd be great for a big, you know, family-sized portion of pasta, yeah. but it's, it, it makes cooking a lot easier if you can use one vessel yes. instead of three vessels yeah. to produce your meal. So imagine if you need two pans for the meatballs, two pans for the sauce, two of, pans for the yeah, pasta. It's a lot of dishes. You just doubled all your work and dishes it's for no reason. a lot of dishes for your significant other to have to clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky enough to have a significant <laughs> other who will do your dishes. So, the, you know, from the time that Rocco dropped the first meatball, it's been, what we'll called a few minutes, and they're a beautiful golden brown, and that's what you're looking for. Yeah, you want Maillard reaction, that, that French scientist who discovered that when you brown meat, uh, you caramelize proteins and you increase flavor. Uh, that's what we love about brown meat. That's so, so let's, correct me if I'm wrong, you mentioned Maillard reaction twice. So... I'm sure people are more familiar with caramelized onions. Caramelized onions. So Same if thing onion turns yeah, like yeah, that yeah. brown sweetness, yeah. it's that effect, but in meat, right? But with meat, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And uh, you know, meat tastes great when it's light brown, but it also, uh, but it will taste, I think, better when it's got a nice dark brown uh, coating. So most of these are perfectly brown. I'm gonna turn the rest over and start to pay attention to my sauce a little bit. I'm also noticing that the heat source is getting a little cold because we've been cooking in it a while. So I'm gonna move it to something much hotter. If you have a hotter burner or if you have a stove with that supercharger burner. So basically when you turn your meatball, there's a cold side to the meatball, right? That's up. So when you turn your meatball, you're essentially cooling down the oil. So if you see that bubble start to like slow down, that's what Rocco's right. talking, like right. pick up that heat. And you can see how the first half of meatballs are much browner than the second half. That's because the oil got colder and colder. So it's super important to start out hot. So I probably should have started out a little hotter and let maybe the first meatball get a little too dark for the sake of the rest, right? Or I could have done it in two batches. But I think if you're scooping right into the pan, you're going to save yourself a lot of time. And just uh, a mental step that you can eliminate from the process that I think makes it seem simpler. Marinara sauce is kind of sitting on super low heat. It's at the consistency you want it. And we're waiting for those meatballs to get nice and golden brown on the second side. All right, so those meatballs are going to essentially cook through in the pan. But because we want the sauce to take on the flavor of the meat, we're going to add the sauce to the meat or the meat to the sauce and cook the meat and the sauce together, the meatballs and the sauce together, you know, until it boils all the way up to an hour. You know, it's it's all dependent on your level of comfort, uh, how much time you have. They'll be ready to eat, though, in, uh, in 10, 10 minutes. The sauce is boiling. Now you can see they've shrunk a lot. And I don't mind putting a little bit of the oil in the sauce. The sauce is a very lean one. 
And I don't mind all that liquid going to that sauce because just by eye, I can tell that the, by the time this boils, it's going to be the perfect uh, texture and viscosity. So that was an interesting tip you said earlier, Rocco. When, after you add the meatballs to the sauce, essentially by the time that sauce comes back up to a simmer, they're cooked through. That's right. Like they're in a good place. That's right. So if you continue to cook them, you're braising them. You're, you're doing the equivalent of a brace. You're slow cooking in liquid a piece of meat. That's what braising is. And is there a way for people at home, for the home cook to tell if they're for sure done. Some people use a thermometer. Quite frankly, I love to make an extra one and just bust it open. Yeah, the, and that's the foolproof way is just to taste it. <laughs> yeah. But okay. so if you put a thermometer in the meatball, the meatball, it should read at about 140 and that's when it's done. Got it, so you're looking yeah. for around 140. Okay, awesome. So we have the meatballs. So you could add the, uh, so the meatballs are in the sauce. Basically, as we said, once it comes up to a simmer, they're in a good place. Call it, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Everybody's stove is different. So don't, you know, use our exact time. And, and then you have it. Your meatballs are in good shape. Thank you, Rocco. So you're welcome. These are, us, yeah, you're, these us, are like, essentially how, done. How did, how did mama serve them? How do you serve them? Give us a few options for people to serve them at home. No problem. So if you're going to do it the traditional way, this would be served with thin spaghetti, spaghettini, uh, not vermicelli or angel hair or cappelli d'angelo. That's too thin and not regular spaghetti because that's too thick, my mom thought. Uh, and this viscosity of sauce on a slightly thinner spaghetti will adhere perfectly. If it's too thick, you'll get globs of pasta. If it's too thin, it won't stick. This is the perfect um, viscosity for thin pasta. And you could find, like nowadays, those used to be hard to find, but I feel like I see them everywhere now. They're everywhere now, so You yeah. can get They're little containers of zucchini noodles, you know, usually in the produce section oh, of you can, uh, You're right. Now now you can actually buy pre-made zucchini yeah. noodles. That's true. If you don't have the spiralizer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, another way to make zucchini noodles if you don't have the spiralizer is to use a serrated peeler. So the, uh, they make a peeler that's serrated, and all you have to do is peel your zucchini, and you'll end up with long strips of zucchini noodles. Another way to do it is to use a box grater on the big holes. You don't need a spiralizer. It's nice to have, for sure. But zucchini is super easy. And then you can just use your damn knife. Yeah. <laughs> you can just <laughs> the good old, cut them into, good old, you know, long strips. So for yeah. someone like myself, that's probably going to get a delicious uh, pasta to cook. Can you give us like the, the Rocco, the Rocco way of combining these with pasta? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what I would do if, if you're going to use a regular pasta is uh, take your pasta out, put it in uh, a bowl, uh, add some butter to it, toss it with butter, take a few spoons of this marinara sauce out of the pot where the meatballs are, add that to the pasta, toss it, you know, 10, 20 times. That tossing is a very important part of uh, cooking pasta. It's called glazing. It's where you get the sauce to stick. You may have heard that in Cook Tracks part one with the Rachel Ray's uh, episode. Oh, she did that as she, well? Yeah, she, oh, did cool. a, she did a pasta dish. It's, so the tossing, think, super yeah. important. Yeah, when you see chefs tossing pasta for what looks like an exact, you know, exorbitant amount of times and what looks like them just being eccentric, yeah. it's really not. It's them trying to get the sauce to stick to the pasta. So the molecules of starch that are still surrounding the pasta that are liquefied, are gonna emulsify with whatever sauce and fat you use. Uh, add some cheese at that point, Parmigiano Reggiano, and then serve it separate from the meatballs. I don't like to mix them. I like people to 
mix them themselves on their plate. Yeah. It's very hard to get a meatball to mix with pasta. And in fact, in Italy, they don't make meatballs to serve with pasta. They serve meatballs as an appetizer, as a small tapas, if you will. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, the pots come to a boil. They should be fantastic. Let's, let's give it a try. Oh, we have plates. Awesome. Meatballs came to a bubble. We're going to taste away. So yours should taste just like ours. Or, or his, I should or say. Or even better, hopefully. <laughs> Definitely want to top it with some Parmigiano-Reggiano. I don't mind a little more chili flake, but I think they're going to be spicy. And I don't mind some chopped parsley. Thank you, sir. Go, 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 Andrew. I'm getting in. <laughs> Those are so good. And also, you know, as my my point of view is, anytime you're making something like this at home from scratch, from raw, real ingredients, it's most of the time going to be better for you than if you're going to buy a pre-made product that has a bunch of stuff added for to sure. it. So. Yeah, most home cooks don't have the ingredients that are used to preserve and extend yeah. shelf life and, you know, make it, shelf, quote, shelf-stable. Last thing you want to hear when, when it comes to food. Well, those are fantastic. Thank, Thank you, you so sir. much, man. This was great. That was fun. Thank you. Whether you just listened for fun or you actually cooked along with us, we thank you. If you did cook this recipe, take a pic and tag it with hashtag CookTracks. Let us know how it came out because we want to see it. Keep up to date with us on Instagram at CookTracks or at CookTracks.com. CookTracks is cooked up by my friends, Cappy, Ian Cohen, and Charlie DiGiello. And sometimes they let me, Rachel Ray, help out too. With editing from Joel Yeaton. Music has been composed by Jeffrey David Coltford. Please rate and review or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Cook Tracks. We've got your back in the kitchen.